shows never die. It's like outside the box set. <laughs> we're, we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> I'm trying to kill this, kill this show. Eventually. But, uh, yeah. This is the third of two last final episodes, I think. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Um, this is the third two-parter. Yeah. Um, the thrilling conclusions? Yes. Question mark. <laughs> and I'm Maddie Hunt. I'm Cameron DeWitt. Well, we have uh, seasons 14 through 27 to cover. We'll see how much we can we can do. Uh, I want to jump into it, uh, except for there's one little thing. There's this. Have you seen this trailer for this movie, American Fiction? No. Um, so basically, it's it's a Jeffrey Wright movie. He's the star, mm. which is exciting because he never gets to be the yeah. star. He's always like the supporting oh, he's actor. So good. He was the star of that one um, movie about wolves and incest. Um, <laughs> which movie is, is this? A, is this a bit? No, this is this is real. It's a wolves and incest movie. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna literally search Jeffrey Wright wolves and incest. <laughs> You're gonna get some on some very uh, deep cut Tumblr posts. It nailed it. It went right to there. It's called Hold the Dark. Yeah, let's just have. Let's oh, just have this episode be... Oh, in there, too. Let's just read this Wikipedia synopsis instead of covering this, and then we can do this next week. Okay, sounds good. Okay, great. <laughs> Open Wikipedia, computer. In December 2004, Medora Sloan summons Russell Corr, Jeffrey Wright, to hunt down the wolves responsible for the disappearance of three small children in the village of Keelet, Alaska, including her six-year-old son, Bailey. Medora mentions the hot springs to the north of town. Blah, 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 blah. Where's the incest? <laughs> Let's get to the good part. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. Well, this movie is... Uh, oh, yeah. This movie's about um, Jeffrey Wright, like... Uh, be, being, like, a, an author who is sort of falling into obscurity mm-hmm. and he's noticing that, um, a lot of, uh, other black authors are being tokenized because they're writing black books, mm-hmm. but his books aren't like black enough mm-hmm. to be like seen as black books. He's just like a black uh, author, uh-huh. you know? Um, and, uh, so he decides to, uh, for the sake of his own kind of catharsis to make, a novel um, that's like everything that the publishing industry like wants, and it's like, <gasps> I'm like I just saw a play with the same premise a few oh, months ago. I wonder if it's really it's called the play you want. I think interesting. Hmm. I wonder if it's somehow related. Huh. Uh, yeah, basically, he's just like do it, like just doing this sort of like minstrel show, like as a as a bit, right? Uh, but the reason that um, and then he gets, like, famous and then has mm-hmm. to, like, figure out how to, like, navigate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it looks like an awesome movie, and I just want to see Jeffrey Wright in anything, especially uh, so if there's wolves. But I don't think there's any wolves in this movie. Uh, uh, I see that. But he, his, his pen name for is, is Stag R. Lee, <laughs> like, S-T-A-G-G. R period and then L E I G H. That's so good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like our theme song. Yes, exactly. Like both of our theme songs. Like our themes songs. Our themes song. 
Yes. <laughs> okay, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're going to talk about today... Stagoli is a, is a bad man. Yeah, well, yeah. But, may, but maybe... Go I, don't know, I don't know if we have time to get into Stagoli discourse <laughs> on this episode. Sure. We've been stretching it out. <laughs> I don't know if I... I'm kind of a Stagoli centrist. Mm-hmm. I don't like... Just find Stagoli's on both sides. <laughs> uh, I think what we should do is we should talk about Billy Joel. Okay. Go to the village in your tie-dye jeans And you stare at the junkies And the closet queens It's like some pornographic magazine And you smile Wait, the, the, my uh, batch process fade out didn't work. I guess not. God damn it. Okay, I'm not fixing it. <laughs> um, so this song is, I think I'd like heard it before. Um, just as a quick refresher, we're revisiting the artists and um, each of us has taken a sound sample from one of their songs and the self-imposed constraints that I put on myself are the song that stood out to the, the most for whatever reason in whatever way that I wasn't previously super familiar with. So I had heard this song before, but it was not until we started talking about Will You Am Joel that... Um, Will I Am Joel. Will I Am Joel, <laughs> yes. That I got to figure out, or to like, you know, read how insane these lyrics are. Okay. <laughs> Verse two. So you go to the village in your tie-dye jeans. Tie-dye jeans is a hell of a... Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, right. right? When's the last time you saw tie-dye jeans? Um, and you stare at the junkies in the closet queens. Holy oh shit. Oh my god. <laughs> these oh, <so> exist. There's <laughs> a big rainbow one. Yeah, these are so stupid. Anyway. <laughs> All of them. Yes, they're extremely stupid. You stare at the junkies in the closet queens. It's like some pornographic magazine. I love the lumping in of queer people with um, drug addicts and saying it's all pornographic. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very cool. Love that. Will I am. Um, and also the other thing about this song that really stood out to me was, I think we talked for like half an hour when we discussed this song about the phrase, get you high tonight. Mm. Cause Captain Jack is a type of rum and Captain sure. Jack will get you high tonight. Right. But for us, for our generation, high means, you know, weed or other drugs and apparently, like, back in the day, they used to talk about alcohol getting you high also. And stoned. Businessmen mm. slowly get stoned. I feel like in the Piano Man or at oh, bar. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. We must have talked about that. Because oh, that's from the same album, too. Other choice bits from the lyrics. Your sister's gone out. She's on a date. And you just sit at home and masturbate. Your phone is going to ring soon, but you just can't wait for that call. And then verse four, so you stand on the corner in your new English clothes and you look so polished from your hair down to your toes. Oh, but you're, but still your finger's going to pick your nose after all. Yeah. Don't, don't project that onto me, William. <laughs> I am not going to be picking my nose standing on the corner in my new English clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Joel, you, you are not going to 
shame me out of my pleasures. Yes. <laughs> of exactly. grooming yeah. whenever I want, mm-hmm. however I want. Yes. Uh, whether it's prurient or not. Mm. Ooh, vocabulary words, Cameron. Good for you. Sorry, that sounded way more condescending. Yeah, that, fuck you. It's not actually super condescending. With so, it's, it's a, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his lyrics. What was really annoying about Billy Joel is that he he just very consistently was very aloof mm-hmm. and sort of like ah, like fuck you all. I'm the only real person alive. Yeah, basically. And. Yeah, that's just like kind of a bummer <laughs> because because yeah. he doesn't have anything significant to say. It's all sort of posturing. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is all like moving you, out is a great example of that too. You just sit at home and masturbate, not me. Well, I right. Joel. Yeah, Green Day on the other hand <laughs> is like. <laughs> it's like yeah. Yeah, took all of the billion Joel songs and they're just like. And it's about me. Yes, I'm picking my nose while yeah. picking my hog. <laughs> Billy Joel was singing about Billy Joe Armstrong the whole oh time. God. Oh my god. The second man on the moon. <laughs> okay, so here's my Billy Joel. The cowboys and their kin Like the sea came pouring in To watch the hanging of Billy the King Travel heavy, yes, he always rode alone, and he soon put many older guns to shame. And he never had a sweetheart, but he finally found a home underneath the boot hill grave that bears his name from a town known as Oyster. So, what he goes on to sing at the end there. Is from a town known known as Oyster Bay, Long Island. Fuck you, Billy. I forgot that he did this. Rode a boy with a six-pack in his hand, and his daring life of crime made him a legend in his time east and west of the Rio Grande. This is not, according to him, when he was talking to the Today Show in 2005, this is not about him. This is about a bartender he knew. Okay. Okay. You might also, you know, make note of the fact that his name is... Billy as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's very possible that he did intend for this to be about the bartender, but chose a bartender that had his name so that people think he's singing about himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically this entire song is, is, is the most boring telling of the story of Billy the Kid. And wrong. And, and I, I don't know anything about Billy the Kid, but yeah. I'm, I'm Apparently, sure I mean, just based on the... The um, genius annotations. He was not born in Wheeling, West Virginia. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opening lines of this song. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, in. Uh, it's one of those. It's like a Wikipedia article for Billy the Kid that like needs to be reviewed. Basically, yeah. citation what, needed. Yeah. Uh, but the outro after this whole song. This boring song about Billy the Kid and the outro says, From a town known as Oyster Bay, Long Island, uh, yeah, wrote a boy with a six pack in his hand, etc. And it's like, he's trying to assert that there's some connection to be drawn between these two figures. And six guns, six packs. Six guns. That's the closest, like, device. Right. Uh, 
But does this, per- this person have a life of crime? Is he a legend? East and west of the Rio Grande? No. None of that's true. Then it all breaks down. Yeah. So, like, it feels like he's <laughs> trying to, like, do some meaning making. Like, oh, and by the way, it's sort of like Taylor Swift's song where she's, like, talking about that that old dame. <laughs> and then she's like, and then I bought her house. <laughs> Uh, Spoilers for later in this yeah. episode. <laughs> uh, except this is even like sort of like less meaningful because it feels like he's just like, oh, uh, right, songs need to have metaphors. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> and he just squeezes it in. Yeah, yeah and I, I feel like a lot of his music sort of poetic bluffs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I feel like he had actually very little to say. Uh, I suspect that... I mean, it's funny because, like, one of his most famous songs is just like, here's a list of things that happened. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Just said as quickly as I can possibly do it. JFK blown away. What else is... Do I... Can I... Do I have to say? You know? I mean, that's such a sensitive and beautiful way to put it. JFK blown away. Yeah, uh, so Tokyo loved hearing it. Billy Joel is sort of an annoying lyricist, and I feel like boomers love him because <laughs> he makes the events in their lives, and the t- he kind of takes the temperature of the culture, mm-hmm. but doesn't prescribe anything. Uh, and not that he—that's a to- weird mixed metaphor. <laughs> That's why he's so popular because everyone knows that doctors that take temperatures are super popular okay. as long as they don't prescribe things. <laughs> They're just like put put the thermometer in me, doc. <laughs> don't tell me what it is. Um, well, I have one more thing about Billy Joel to say, which is I think he's just sort of like a like a composition major. Like he just like wants to arrange. Mm-hmm. And I think some of his arrangement stuff is silly, but I think it's like well done and nice. And I kind of feel like he should have just been a film composer. Mm. Here's the intro of this song. like Fantasia's album that's like all instrumental because you're like I can't handle it. <laughs> well, it's just like no way to say it just like there's some pretty good piano he sure piano like, again <laughs> he sure has the piano more like piano piano yes <laughs> good job um alright so that's that's Billy Joel um I think our goal in talking about Billy Joel was to try to like connect with boomers, and I think it totally backfired. It's like, yeah, we were right about you, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> oh yeah, there's, like he had an album called The Nylon Curtain. What was it's just, that? It's just it's all just like, like a shower curtain. It's all like social commentary that like sounds incisive but isn't. And then there is a song. There's that one song. I think his like best song is when he sings about. Eiffel Towering a grand piano with Ray Charles. Oh. Yeah, so that's pretty great. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Huh. 
uh, or a baby grand. Excuse me. What's, oh, a baby, baby grand uh, specifically. Yes. <clears throat> Back in my day, we just used to call that spit resting. <laughs> so Beck is not here, and I was hoping that they would be here to talk about our next season. Mm. But we'll just have to have them. I don't know. <laughs> uh, call in <laughs> at some point. Yes. Uh, let's see. Where is yours? Do you see it? It should be numbered 15 right there. There we go. This one's an interesting song. Um, I think we talked about the music video quite a bit, but um, yeah, it's she's trying to do this tricky thing where she's talking about what she sees as her own faults and like the mistakes she's made. Um, but they also, and she like then puts it in the chorus. It's like it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Which. And then she like gets silly with like at tea time everybody agrees. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. I must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. I don't know. It feels like it becomes posturing uh-huh. very quickly <laughs> and not exactly a sincere look at her own faults necessarily. Um, this is the thing. This is the song I think from her that um, gets stuck in my head the most, though. Um, and it's fun and I don't know. It's really catchy. It's really catchy. And it's sort of mimetic. Like I find myself saying it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. Exactly. Especially like after the song was released, I was like saying it all the time. Yeah. Like every single sentence. Yeah. It's really good writing. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, also, Sometimes she feels like she's, everybody's a sexy baby and she's a monster on the hill. <laughs> she did say that. She did say that. And that's pretty great. Yeah. Too big to hang out, slowly lurching toward your favorite city, pierced through the heart, but never killed. Hey, sometimes I feel like that too. Mm-hmm. Too big to hang out. Um, and then, she, I don't know, she gets like, she, I don't know, she starts getting into this spiral of like, self-referential self-criticism in the pre-chorus there when she says, did you hear my covert narcissism? I disguise as altruism, like some sort of, like some kind of congressman. Yeah. So I think she is the smartest neoliberal alive. (laughs) Basically. Uh I think she's really, really good at like spinning this stuff. And it's kind of scary to watch, honestly. Yeah. Because I know it's, like, inspiring people. (laughs) Like, Yeah. And you know what it kind of reminds me of? Like, a much more successful version of John Mayer. Yep. Which we're going to get to soon. Absolutely. And that might be a good lead-in to your song. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, One other thing I wanted to say, though, about this song. There's this trailer that came out, like, earlier on this year for this movie called Blue Beetle. Who is oh, like yeah. a superhero in the DC comics? He was what Night Owl is supposed to be, or something? Oh, interesting. And Watchmen, but then, I thought Night Owl was just supposed to be Batman. Well, it be, it became that sort of thing. Like for a while, I 
think I, I could have sworn this was the Blue Beetle, but there's like this whole like publisher's worth of heroes that was bought out by DC. Uh, yeah. And they're like, hey, Alan Moore, do you want to do anything with these? And he's like, oh, yes, I do. I want to make them fuck and die <laughs> and be sad. <laughs> and they're like, on second thought, maybe you can't have them. <laughs> you have to make them your own original characters. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> that's great. I, I love think, that. I, I hadn't had heard that story. Yes. So, in this trailer for this Blue Beetle movie, which looked fucking awful, yeah. um, there's this line where someone references in the trailer Batman. Oh. Uh, and one of the, like, sassy, like, brown people in the movie says, Batman's a fascist. This is in the trailer. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, this is the, this is where we're at. <laughs> like, in, we, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it is now completely completely cynical to be self-referential or ironic in this way. Like Mm -hmm. it's totally jumped the shark. And, uh, yeah, I feel like Taylor Swift is doing that more effectively, but she's trying Mm -hmm. to do like the same Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Cause like literally in her video in the sexy baby part, it's like a room full of, uh, hot people of color in their late twenties. Right. Like having a fancy dinner party mm-hmm. with sweater vests and stuff. Right, yeah. And then she comes in and ruins her and ruins their party. Because she's too big, because that's an immutable aspect of her personhood, as opposed to a thing that she continually elects to do and to become bigger. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Uh <laughs> I've decided I'm really not very interested in Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think it is good to be interested in a, like, in the same way that it's good to be interested in, like, other scary people. <laughs> <laughs> like Joseph Biden? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so... Wondering which version of you is one of her best songs in terms of like writing and music and like it's effectiveness. Uh, and I feel like it sort of encapsulates Taylor's whole thing, which mm-hmm. is, I believe on some level she is legitimately feeling all of these things mm-hmm. and these things I kind of, I care about this mm-hmm. stuff. Like she's talking about having an older man kind of groom her Mm-hmm. And manipulate her and treat her like shit and it's make a her... a little star is boring. Yeah, absolutely. Make her feel really small. 
And uh, at the same time, she's also really expertly branding, mm-hmm. like, in this song. She's, like, claiming the moral high ground. She is, yeah, and she's selling her story, and she is, like, turning this, like, throng of Swifties, like, on John Mayer, um, and, uh, and, and is, like, monetizing this heartbreak. hmm And she's the only writing credit for this Ooh. song, as far as Genius Lyrics is concerned, at least. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of, like... I mean, that's like any poet or like storyteller or songwriter, you know, right. is essentially doing this, but like her doing it at this, at this level, this like shrewdly and mm-hmm. somehow honestly at the same time mm-hmm. is like kind of her whole thing. It's like her right. magic trick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is the song that I feel the most conflicted about because I feel like I care the most. And I have to, like, catch myself and be like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) She gets you on her side, and then you're like... Yeah. You know, where's where's she going to take you from there? (laughs) Because, like, as offensive as John Mayer is Hmm. to my sensibilities, Mm -hmm. uh, he is never going to do as much harm as Taylor Swift does, because she is so much more powerful than he will ever be and will continue to, to be. And it's like really easy for my like identity politics and my like, uh, my sensibilities to just be like, like in emotionally, I detest John Mayer more. Right. But like intellectually, I'm just like, no, <laughs> he's like, it's, it's good for people to like kind of embarrass themselves and gatekeep themselves away from power because they say too much Mm -hmm. and like be a mess. And like, uh, ultimately, like I want the, I want people to subvert their own ascensions, you know? Mm -hmm. And it is actually scarier to me when someone is good at being Mm -hmm. this big, (laughs) too big to hang out. And yeah, like, She's still on her heiress tour. She's she's supposed to be a billionaire by the end of it. And, uh, yeah, like, people like her, like, when shit hits a fan, they're going to, like, fucking eat me. <laughs> you know, if, if they need to, you yeah, know? Exactly. And it's really scary, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, I mean, fuck John Mayer. I don't like... I would prefer not to. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've, well, How's that for I've heard response? it's like <laughs> crushing a Coke can with a baseball bat. So I, and I've heard you're into that. So. Well, I can wrap my head around with that actually being in practice. <laughs> All right. Um, who are we talking about next? It is uh, John Mayer, I think. Isn't it? Or is it Fishbone? I think it might be Fishbone. Oh, you're right. <laughs> we fishbone. took a quick little break. We took a few in <laughs> She's confused, she's in my blood system Told me to lose that she's about to shiver Only a child in the middle of a war She's the hot child, not because of a divorce Hey, my mom, what the hell is wrong with y'all? Hey, my mom, what the hell is wrong with y'all? Well, there's lots of money 
like most ska song. <laughs> it's so ska. It's very ska. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This I think was like the catchiest one of the Fishbone songs that I like had any memory of. Honestly, I don't really remember much about Fishbone. I feel like I have much to say about that. Mm. I do think the um, the chorus of "Hey, Mon Pa, what the hell is wrong with y'all?" is like a fun way of putting the like rebelliousness of adolescence and, and whatnot. Yeah. And you know, in the early or the late eighties, I guess. There's a lot to ask of Ma and Pa figures. What the hell? What the fuck is wrong yeah, with y'all? Absolutely. Voting in Reagan for one thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yep. et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff about this like divorce and it's very like anti-divorce and I don't know, like the way that it contextualizes the chorus in the context of this story about divorce and what I don't necessarily really care that much about but most people probably didn't listen to those lyrics and mostly just jammed along to hey mom and Paul, Paul's right now. <laughs> yeah uh yeah i mean they're talking about the like vindictiveness of divorce mm-hmm. and like custody stuff mm-hmm. and how harmful it is and i don't know like i i can relate to that not on a personal i haven't been through that but i've had people in my life who've been through that and, uh, um, to various extents, uh, various degrees of amicability or Mm -hmm. just disaster. And, uh, yeah, it's like an understandable thing to write a song about. And, uh, (laughs) yeah. And, and I think maybe there's also like a little cultural kind of commentary here. That's like, I feel like the eighties, and nineties were kind of really starting to look at the, like the, the attorney, the, like, like the industrial complex around like lawsuits Mm. and divorce, Mm -hmm. especially as divorce is becoming more socially acceptable. Right. You know? Um, yeah, just like all of the people who are making their, their whole business out of it being um, mm-hmm. Laura Dern in a marriage story, like kind of um, figures. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen marriage story? I have not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's, it might be a terrible time for me to watch it. It might be, be a, the best time for me. To watch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's a great movie. I think, uh, and Laura, Laura Dern is, uh, an absolute star and is well, so cunty the entire time. God, I love Laura Dern. Cause she's not always, Serving cut in her movies. Sometimes she's like. I mean, very Jurassic le- Park. She's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes she's very le- very lesbian. Um, but uh, yeah, in this movie, she yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, uh, Fishbone. Here, yeah. here's what I had to had to say about them. Where <laughs> I didn't number it, and that's on me. Here's Nut What the hell is this song? 
this song? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. This is a recurring theme. They talk about nut and nutmeg and things like that, like throughout their entire like, discography. Oh, God, I didn't over know and over and over again. Uh, if you remember, Brian Slattery like helped us begin talking about Fishbone, and specifically liked talking about the like the scatological nature of funk music. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and how a lot of funk music is about like shit and piss and cum, mm-hmm. the humors. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm uh, laughing already. <laughs> It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that they're trying to, you know, like funk music is trying to make some sort of musical metaphor between our like baser selves, like our more like embodied selves, uh, and trying to embrace our miasmas, <laughs> our disgusting stuff. Mm-hmm. As being like, actually, this is kind of cool and sexy and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Fishbone loves talking about nut. <laughs> I do think P Funk did it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think they're doing it in this tradition, and th- and I think Fishbone did it a lot better than Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm. Who, when I listen to this song, it's like. This is just early Red Hot Chili Peppers, or rather, the other way around. Mm. Like they're very clearly just ripping this off whole cloth and just mm-hmm. doing it worse. Yeah. Um, this is fun though. Sitting on a powder keg, waiting for that thing to bang. Mm. Bless that mega nut for me. Nutmeg, filthy nutmeg. <laughs> this is nonsense. <laughs> and then it gets metaphorical here. Every every a multiple musical orgasm, body body, sitting smack dab on your lap. Wanna wanna uh, macrocephalus concoction. Macrocephalus. Huh? Get a nut. Stretching daddy's cap. Stretching daddy's cap. Uh, this is disgusting and hilarious. Uh, yes. I really. I, I appreciate this. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's what I'll remember from Fishbone. <laughs> Thanks uh, for illuminating that, Brian Slattery. <laughs> uh, go check him out. He's working on stuff. Writing oh, stuff. Cool. Um, shall we? Okay, I, I can see that at this point in your sound samples, you started. <laughs> <laughs> I got blood at typing the actual names of the artists. So this is some art an artist named Brit Knee, as in Cap. <laughs> I think it's called What It's Like to Be Me. Okay. That's from her 2001 Britney album. <laughs> okay, uh, here it is. Yes, What It's Like to Be Me. And I um, I remember the thing that we talked about that, that like stood out to me the most from Britney Spears was um, the ways that she like self-mythologizes and yeah. like or that Max Martin yes. mythologizes her. Yes. Because this is... Although this one's written by Wade Robson and Justin Timberlake. Oh, I was going to say this sounds like Justin Timberlake. And background vocals by... 
Oh, it is him. It literally is. It does sound like him. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Um, So this is... Were they they dating at the time? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. They did at one point. Yeah. Um, So I remember that being like the most interesting part about Britney Spears was like the mythologizing and the ways that like that went into posturing and the ways that even stuff that was revealing was still being kind of like co-opted and used for these specific ways. And, um, I don't know. This is like a song that talks directly about that. Um, what it's like to be me walk a mile in my shoes, do me right. Or I'm through. And it's in the context of like, if you want to date me, if you want to be my man, but it's, I don't know, it very clearly works on the level of, like, the artist talking with her audience. Um, If you, dear listener, want to date me... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You got my heart to win before I let you in. And this deceives you, baby. I'm not the average lady. (laughs) I need someone to love. (laughs) Which is not what the average lady... (laughs) (laughs) The average lady does not need love. Hates love. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not like the other girls. I love love. (laughs) (laughs) And I need someone to... Yes. Um, Baby, take the time to realize I'm not the kind to sacrifice the way I am. I don't know why I chose this song. It's kind of boring. (laughs) No, I think it's a good, like... Yeah, this is... I felt like she had, like, more interesting takes on the same subject matter, though. I should have chosen a different song. Oh, well. Uh, I do like the line, and this deceives you, baby. I'm not the average lady. I like the near rhyme of baby and lady. I think the word lady is funny. It is funny. (laughs) It's hilarious. I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. I'm a lady, (laughs) but not the average lady. (laughs) That song, too, that's not the song I chose, but that is, I think, one of the most, like, sort of insidious kind of moments where mm-hmm. she's basically, the song is basically about how she's old enough to legally take advantage of, but young enough to effectively take advantage of <laughs> because she's so naive mm-hmm. uh, and doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, this is a really, a really dark, dark time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're going to talk about Billie Eilish in a little bit, and I feel like that'll be an interesting kind of comparison because I feel like everyone basically just accepted Britney Spears like on like, or didn't accept Britney Spears, like accepted these narratives like on face value and weren't necessarily looking into like, is this person okay? And everyone was like, uh, fuck her. You know, she's bad. She's ruining the culture. Right. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to, there was like, for multiple years, there's all that shit about, like, is Britney a virgin? Right, right. What the fuck? Like, goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. God, that was, like, another fucking universe, another planet. That was, like, 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which makes me feel very old, but also, uh-huh. <laughs> holy shit, things were, like, rough back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily know how to measure those things, how to measure progress, you know, what's just respectability and like, what's, I feel, you know, maybe, maybe there's, we could at least say yeah. that 
there's been a little bit of progress in that people are not openly talking about the virginities of like famous uh-huh. women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear any like discourse about the, the concept of virginity until like a few years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, much less whether it's okay to be one or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, here's my Britney Spears. I just wanna go to the party. She gonna go. Can somebody take me home? Yeah, so <laughs> this song is about how the phrase, if you seek Amy, if, if you seek Amy, the person Amy, sounds a lot like F U C K me. Yes. Uh, which which is, is so high concept that it could only come from a Swede. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it came from several of them, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They just, like, took all of their, like, Swedish ESL powers and, like, yes. you know what I've been thinking about lately? <laughs> about your wacky language. You know that common phrase of when you are looking for someone, you say, if you seek yeah. X person? You know how people are always saying that? <laughs> um, are you, do, you, do you seek Cameron right now? <laughs> Is Cameron in the room with us? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so I believe Max Martin is involved in this one. Uh, oh, maybe not. Oh, he is. Oh, he's the last, yeah. He's the last writing credit. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what... This is from Circus. Was that 2006? Yeah, so like one of her slightly later ones. Yeah. Yeah, this is when she's... I think there's a turning point for Britney Spears where she's... She started to just make silly, fun music that wasn't doing as much theater about, mm-hmm. like, her persona. Right. And eventually, like, it all just turned into, like, Europop. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, like, dance music. And it was, like, pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like this was sort of a turning point. Um, and, yeah, the songs get a lot stupider at this mm-hmm. point, but I think they're pretty fun. Uh, but, yeah, the song makes no sense. It It barely tries to thread this needle. Uh, she literally says ha ha he he ha 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 <laughs> to replace the ending line of the verse. Yeah, which, God, I, that's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> that makes me go ha ha he he ha ha. It makes me go ha ha he he also. Yeah, I. I appreciate the, like, one idea that this song has and the absolute carelessness about it. Uh, yeah. It, like, tries to pretend like Amy's, like, this person that you're, like, falling in love with or whatever, but it's... All it is, it's, like, just there to, to be misdirection. It's very I-C-U-P. Yes, like. it really is. I do love that it's, like, pretty bisexual, though. All the boys and all the girls are begging to fuck me. So, yeah. You know. True. And, okay. you know, just... I also know what that feels like, Brittany. You and me, babe, right there. <laughs> I've never felt more connected. <laughs> okay, so we got uh, Dear John here. Is this yes. the one? Uh, no. Okay, where? That's mine. Yeah. Where's yours? Up. I think it's up for some reason. Why is this not like in order? You know, 
I don't. It's too boring to explain. It's called all. If I Ever Get Around to Living, and oh, it's from the album Born and Raised. And um, can you play the second sound symbol because that's the chorus? Oh, yeah, here it comes, here it comes. like a some I don't know getting into like self um narrativizing of an artist and themselves like this is this is his first album after um he has this disastrous interview on Rolling Stone where he talks about having a David Duke cock and is like oh throwing the N word around like it's going out of style <laughs> um and so he's like what I'll do is I will release an album. I'll go back to my roots. And so he releases an album called Born and Raised that like very consciously invokes Neil Young, um, like cover artwork. He covers a JJ Kale song. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Which just basically does it exactly the same way that JJ Kale did. Fine. Yeah. I mean, it's like, whatever, if you have to, maybe you helped expose more people to his music, whatever. Kale's obviously way better. Um, so, and he pays some lip service to the idea of like, hey, I've kind of messed up or I've made mistakes or whatever, but it's in this very self-aggrandizing way uh-huh. of like, it's it's that kind of like thing that he, the way he weapon, weaponized his own like sensitivity. Yes. Where he's like, Oh, I'm such a like complicated, like tragic figure, and I've made so many mistakes. But doesn't that just make you like me more? Uh-huh. <laughs> and like literally, the chorus is, "When are you gonna wise up, boy? When are you gonna wise up, boy?" And he talks about like, you know, some of like the stressors maybe that have come into his life. You know, in verse four it says, "You are hiding in your mind, working all the time, trying to make it better than you got it, and you've been spending all of your time searching for a sign that's never going to look the way you want it." It's like. I'm just working so hard to like try to to get over all that like those mistakes that I made. I'm I'll do anything short of apologizing or doing anything real. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I don't have to do that. Yeah, it's it's just like this really weird and like toxic um way to pretend to have introspection and like become better as a person. Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's basically his whole, his whole, the, the story of his career. Like he had a few early hits and then ever since then it's been like him just sort of trading on this kind of like 
manic pixie dream boy like bullshit thing right. that he has going. Yeah. The like I can fix him kind of catnip. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Here's a song I wanted to talk about. There's things you need to hear So turn off your tears And listen song a lot more when we originally listened to it because I because I was just like looking for anything <laughs> from this man yes, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. like yeah. Uh, and it was just like so relieving to mm-hmm. hear just like a simple encouraging mm-hmm. idea that wasn't trying to like that didn't seem narcissistic mm-hmm uh, like, like the point of the song is, I mean, it's a little complicated, but it's like the point of the song is to be encouraging. Right. And like the most generous reading of the song is someone who it's that it's, it's, uh, written for someone who is kind of stuck in a cycle of despair mm-hmm. and they need a community of people to, wrench them out of it. And, uh, the, the least generous reading of the song would maybe be, this is kind of a song about people, uh, the ways that communities can like repress, you know, the, uh, the depression or like mental illness or, um, or legitimate grievances mm-hmm. of people inside a community. The toxic positivity of, like, yeah. just look for the silver lining. Well, no, maybe there's some issues that need to be resolved before we get to the silver lining stage. Yeah, so I don't necessarily think that this song, like, is enough one way or the other to be harmful or... Or helpful it's, ideologically. It's pretty vague. I feel like there's some indications that it's a pretty like presumptuous, like um, paternalistic song. Like in the first verse, I hate to see you cry lying there in that position. There's things you need to hear, so turn off your tears and listen. It's like, Jesus Christ, that is like not a very gentle thing to say to someone. It's true. And maybe sometimes like you don't, you know, you. You can't be, you need, someone needs you to not be gentle, maybe. Yeah. But that's, I've known people who sort of use their tears as a shield, Mm -hmm. you know, and like hide behind their like feelings Mm -hmm. and like don't want to accept responsibility for things, you know? And so, like, I've never met anyone like that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Preaching the choir. Um, So, like, I know that there are there are people who need this kind of like, you got to stop and do something. Right. You know, at the same time, uh, I think that has overwhelmingly been the sort of default answer to supporting people who are in a hard place. Yeah. Just look on the bright side. (laughs) 
um, yeah, people preaching a sort of like false stoicism, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you should do whatever you need to do to be functional and Mm -hmm. to, uh, make me more comfortable basically. (laughs) Yeah. And it seems like on a certain level, John Mayer is kind of aware of the oppositional nature of this, that this is sort of like opposing the person who's having the hard time. Cause in verse two, Bad news, never had good timing. Then the circle of your friends will defend the silver lining. Defend is like such a telling word to be like, no, your friends are going to like tell you to stop fucking boo-hooing all over the place. And they're like, they're going to defend the silver lining to you so that you are not able to like think about the bad stuff. Yeah. They're going to like fight you. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Could be good. Could be bad. You know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like very contextually, maybe that could be a good thing, but... But, like, I don't necessarily... And coming from Mr. Mayor. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it doesn't strike me as the most emotionally intelligent person, yeah. at least in the way that he conducts himself publicly. And This is my final writes. verdict. More like, you know, John Mayhor, more like John Maynor. Okay. <laughs> That's a, that's really good. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> what a shit. <laughs> All right. transition back to the next artist. Yeah, who who's next? Justin uh, Bieber. Justin Bieber. I hardly Bieber. My gift to you is all my heart. processing did the fade in and then immediately did the fade out all at the beginning and then didn't fade out at the end of the song. I wonder if that's what happened. It yeah. sounds like that's what oh happened. Oh my god. How embarrassing. Yes. Well, I'm glad I never have to do this ever again. <laughs> yes. I feel like it worked for my files. What the fuck's wrong with your files? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, um, whatever. <laughs> I know someone out there knows that I'm saying, oh no. Baby, you're a girl who's wishing just like me. Yeah, yeah. There is one, and you know who you are. My gift to you is all my heart. Make my holiday and hear me when I say, if you're the only thing I ever get for Christmas, then everything I wished for has come true. You're the single line up on my list. You're my one and only Christmas wish. The mistletoe is where I'll be waiting. Meet me there. Yep. Is that really how that ends? That doesn't rhyme. That doesn't rhyme at all. Oh my god, I forgot this was Justin Bieber's second album, was the Under the Mistletoe one. <laughs> That's bananas. I just... What, I, what does this song mean to you, Maddie? I just love the weird, like, defensive, like, adolescent way it's phrased. Like, <laughs> especially the title is, Only Thing I Ever Get for Christmas. Mm. That's literally the title of the song. God, it's the only thing I ever get for Christmas. It's fucking socks. Uh. And it's just, I don't know, it's so funny to me that it, it's, <laughs> he's trying to make it this, like, romance thing. I mean, it's, it really is, like, 
uh, just a huge rip off of All Gone for Christmas is You, obviously. Sure, sure, sure. Da da da. Um, but I love that it, the ways he's trying to like rip that off just ends up sounding so weird. Uh, and Justin Bieber is the first credited songwriter, and then Tim Miner, Aaron Pierce, and Tricky Stewart. Um, in the morning, everybody's rushing to see what's underneath the Christmas tree. Know what I mean? Because I don't find it there. Underneath the mistletoe is where you make my holidays, so hear me when I say, if you're the only thing I ever get for Christmas, then everything I wish for has come true. Yeah. I, I like the, the weird, like... Um, there's some, like, weird stuff in some of the, uh, like, leads up to the chorus. Um, there is one, and you know who you are. My gift to you is all my heart. Oh. It's almost like seeing him up on stage, like, pointing at one person and being like, I'm singing this song to you. Like, you're the mm-hmm. one fan who, like, is the object of my romantic desires. And I'm definitely not just saying that in a way that everyone thinks that they're uh-huh. that person. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, do you want to uh, smash them up to share with yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> you just reminded me of something, which is, uh, which is this. Soldier boy, tell me. I got to damn for y'all called Soldier boy. You got a point, man. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I've been saying that around. <laughs> The uh, premature mm-hmm. uh, Christmas <laughs> TikToks. Yes. Well, okay. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about Justin Bieber. He's um, like another artist that I have nothing to say about. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty canny at like catching waves of like what the musical zeitgeist was mm-hmm. uh, a little bit late, but not too late. Mm-hmm. And I think this song, Yummy, really captures that uh, because he is doing all of the the scotch snaps, all of the like SoundCloud rapper autotune stuff in this. I Wait, scotch snaps is like a fiddle term, right? Yeah. So to be clear, I don't think that like there was like some fucking TED Talk video that was basically just like the thing that is hot in rap music right now is the Scotch snap where you go da 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 like in a Strathspey mm-hmm. when in yeah <laughs> <laughs> instead of jigging where you're going da 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 you're switching back and forth between da 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 you're doing these like little things yeah mm-hmm. uh, that's like a really popular rhythm in hip hop mm-hmm. um, and some TED Talky like thing was like that's that has a name it's a scotch snap but it's like that's not actually accurate to like just talk about this like one indigenous folk like tradition and like apply it yeah to another yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh but whatever i don't have a better word for it okay um but it was the kind of zeitgeist like hip-hop rhythm for a while. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, and the, like the trap beats and stuff. Anyway, here's Yummy. Yummy. 
Yeah, like this came out like a year and a half or so after Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse mm -hmm. with like, you're my sunflower, remember that song? Not that like, like you meet Miles Morales and he's like singing along, but he doesn't know all the words. He's singing a Post Malone song. I see. You know, and like, so like this came out like way after that. Mm -hmm. And that was already popular at that time, and that made it super popular. And then, like, Justin Bieber was like, oh, I guess I gotta do that now. Mm -hmm. um, which, to be fair, so was, like, Kendrick Lamar. Like, Kendrick mm -hmm. Lamar would, started using trap beats and stuff, like, after, you know, it was already, like, very popular to do. But I think when Kendrick Lamar does it, it's because he's like... I want to collaborate with the rappers and, mm. and their like engineers and producers mm -hmm. who are popular right now, you know, which is like why like for humble, he like had this like 19 year old, like make a beat for him on an iPhone, you know, wow. which is like really different than like this. Right. <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. he's not, uh, Kendrick Lamar isn't necessarily pandering. He's like collaborating, right? Yeah. you know, anyway, I feel like that's kind of like what Justin Bieber does. I do think that it is interesting. He's talking about his pleasure. He's performing a sort of somatic response, like like this very th feminine. It's like this is making my toes curl, mm. and like my eyes roll back in my head and stuff or whatever. And he's performing kind of lingas. I, I not necessarily. Oh. I I mean I like he's. I forgot I, what this song's about, and you didn't... It's about fucking. Oh, okay. It's not necessarily explicitly about cunnilingus. I see. I don't think Yummy is. Do you remember there was, like, a couple years there where people were saying Yummy as in, like, this isn't... This is, like, a, a gratifying or even edifying experience. Like, it was a yummy time. Like... Like having like a, a good party or something mm. or like a get together. Like I heard some people like trying to say that for a while. I was like, you, you must stop. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a yummy time at the yeah. party. I don't so, believe you. <laughs> this needs to end. Uh, Justin Bieber. Uh, he sure did. Okay. He certainly did. Let's listen to Lil. Nah, sex. <laughs> song um it's a gay song about longing or one might say a song about gay longing <laughs> a gay song about yeah. gay longing and i 
I just, I love, I love hearing people assert and own their vulnerability and their needs. And I just, you know, I just got a tattoo on my left arm that is a little baby gothling holding a banner that says soft animal in reference to the Mary Oliver poem where she talks about letting the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And I think there's so much power in just like owning that vulnerability and be like, yeah, I'm a fucking soft animal. I am not like a fearsome warrior, you know, in this way that I'm like, you know, near devising or apologizing myself. Grinder conqueror. Yes. Yeah. And it's not hashtag grind. It's like, no, I need a boy who can cuddle with me all night. Like, especially for someone who's operating in like the hip hop genre and who is like pushing back against all of the like masculine posturing and like the homophobia for him to like open the song with need a boy who can cuddle with me all night. It's just, it's so sweet and so fucking powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the chorus, I want someone to love me. I need someone who needs me because it don't feel right when it's late at night and it's just me in my dreams. So I want someone to love. And that's so powerful to just like claim that and just yeah. proclaim it. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't, you know, uh, audited all of the lyrics, but if I remember right from these lyrics, he's not necessarily talking about some sort of like, I want to be whisked away. I want to be like, uh, I don't necessarily think he's talking about like a heteronormative, like I want like a soulmate. Mm, mm-hmm. He's saying he wants like connection. Right. Yeah. Know? The music video has like some like drama at the, uh, at the, at the wedding, you know, kind of like stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I feel like the actual content of the lyrics of the song are just like, no, I want like connection kind of similar to like when we were talking about the Sam Smith song. Mm-hmm. The T Pain covered uh, "Stay with Me." Mm-hmm. He, uh, they, uh, are kind of say like, "I actually, I will, I will get a, I will, I will do a hookup if that is what it takes." But like, I'm actually kind of looking for something a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm looking for a connection, uh, and I feel lonely. And there's a possibility that I might continue to feel lonely after this hookup if it doesn't meet the specific, if it doesn't check the specific box that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know, which I, yeah, I appreciate about, about this song, you know, it's like, it's not only, uh, challenging, mm-hmm. like you're saying, like hip hop male posturing, mm-hmm. like it's also challenging some like kind of, uh, normative gay posturing about yeah, because... You know, how sexuality and affection works. Yeah, you know? to, like, talk about openly, like, just talking about, like, wanting someone to cuddle with him. It's just, like, like so many people from, you know, not speaking as someone who's part of the community, but from seeing some of this stuff, like, some of the ways that gay men tend to react to um, homophobic attacks is to just, like, really assert how hyper-masculine they are. And I love that he's not only just, like, being openly just, you know, super gay, but also, like, I'm gay and I'm not just, like, this big, tough, strong, like, beefcake. Wow. And from the village people, you know, I want someone to cuddle me. Like, come on. <laughs> foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What a good song. 
Where was... Where's mine? You gotta alphabetize this. What are you doing? Shut up. suicide mm. or about suicidal ideation and specifically uh, queer people uh, being tempted to kill themselves mm-hmm. uh, because of all of the uh, pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So this is just a very straightforward kind of like earnest song about how he was in the closet and he was kind of, he was dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the inside. Uh, he says via, via Twitter, uh, in the sun goes down video, I go back in time to visit a younger version of self who's struggling inside, hating himself and doesn't want to live anymore. I try my best to uplift him. Can't wait to share this song and video with you guys on Friday. This one is really special to me. <laughs> Aww. Um, sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is like a, a very... It's not necessarily, like, the most, like, artfully crafted. It, it mostly just, it feels like him just saying, hey, this is what I was going through. Right, yeah. And yeah. I think he does it very effective. I think it's a good song, but it's, like, kind of plainly spoken is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Um, yeah, and uh, it's pretty powerful, especially because, you know, he he got famous before he came out. Mm. Yeah. Like, Old Town Road, like, uh, he wasn't out yet. Right. Uh, publicly. I remember when he came out, um, he, he basically said, his way of coming out was basically saying, like, y'all didn't know I was queer. <laughs> like, you hadn't figured, put it together yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, later on, he was sort of saying, like, he was making a lot of, like, TikToks and stuff about how, like, you know, he's kind of, like, pretty pretending to be straight and then kind of pretending to be bi and Mm -hmm. uh yeah there's like he's a really young person yeah he's like basically like the first tiktok star oh yeah old town road was a tiktok TikTok? song yeah like in 2018 or something 19 Mm -hmm. yeah holy shit so like yeah he he got big like before he was ready (laughs) and it's pretty amazing to like see how he navigated right all of this stuff yeah and come out with this album that's pretty awesome there was this twitter exchange that happened um back in march of this year of 2023 where someone tweeted, one day we will realize that Lil Nas X is not gay. He just finessed the LGBT community and got to the bag. And then he replies and says, do I have to give head at 3.45 a.m. behind a McDonald's in Chicago on a Friday night during the middle of Pride Month while streaming on Twitch and Instagram Live for y'all to realize I really am a free cake? (laughs) (laughs) Which is so fucking good. It's so funny. (laughs) 
obviously, you know, clean, cleaning slurs interrogatory language like fruitcake. It's so funny. Yeah, that's such a, like, bad faith take, obviously, you know, yeah. to, like, throw, like, Harry Styles criticism at him. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. <laughs> no. This, <laughs> he's very clearly a guy. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, and whether or not he got got the bag for being gay is like that's his prerogative as being a gay person who wanted to uh, kill himself because he was gay and no one knew, you know. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. If only we could all get rich. Yes. <laughs> from, exactly. <laughs> from only. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyhow. Anyhow, uh, yeah, we we're gonna do like a you know little Nas X you know season, but he hasn't come up with another this is album. Still yet, wild so, album. Yeah. so we did do it, Lil Nas X. It was very comprehensive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent comprehensive. Uh, next, let's listen to uh, Will I Am Lash. Will I Am? Will E? Add some friction. So this song really stood out to me because <sighs> such a weird song because she tries to make it about like a person, um, you know, bad, bad news. One of us is going to lose. I'm the powder. You're the fuse. Just add some friction. And then you are my strange addiction. You are my strange addiction. My doctors can't explain my symptoms or my pain, but you are my strange addiction. So it sounds like it's going to be a love song. It uses the title of that reality show, my strange addiction. Um, but that's not what this song is about. This song is about how many times she has watched the fucking office. Oh my God. And I did the calculation at one point, like, I think on air when we talked about this, um, uh, she says she, okay. She said she's seen the entire series of the office, the U S the U S um, version of the office 12 times. Oh no. Every time I finish it, <laughs> I know, right? Every, she says every time oh, I really? finish it, I started immediately right after from the beginning again. And this is like when she was 17 or something. Oh my God. And I like went through and looked up like how much time that is by like runtime based on just like rough, based on, you know, what Wikipedia says about, <clears throat> you know, however many episodes there are in like average of 22 minutes an episode. And it was, it was just an astronomical amount of time spent on a not very good show at the best of times. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't understand people who are so like into the office. Anyway, so this is like the song that stood out to me the most about Billie Eilish of not only the fact that she's seen the entire office as of several years ago, 12 times all the way through, but also that she wrote this song about it and tried to pretend like it was some like sexy like relationship thing and she's just like no this is just the office that's really funny it's so weird (laughs) yeah uh i feel like around this time was when people 
started saying, don't say that you like the office in your dating profile. That is not a personality trait. Um, I specifically being like, that was like directed at women a lot. Um, which I feel complicated about cause I feel like I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, but also, uh, that's kind of mean. <laughs> Everyone likes some trashy things. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, but 12 times, that's a little bunch. That's, I have not seen my favorite shows anywhere near that much. What's your favorite show? The show that I've probably seen the most is probably Futurama, which um, has a lot about that uh, show. Especially for me specifically, personally. Sure, yeah. Um, but, like, I had the DVDs when I was in high school, and I would just, like, watch the episodes over and over again, and I listened to them with, like, the commentary with the actors and directors and writers and stuff. Um, so, but nowhere close to 12 times. I probably saw the first five seasons, like, Three or four times all the way through. Twelve? I can't imagine twelve. Nope. Yeah. Can't and won't. Can't and won't. Will not imagine it. Alright. Um where's my Billy eyelash? Here we go. I haven't had a party since I got the keys Met a pretty boy, everybody couldn't stay On his way out, made him sign an NDA I didn't actually get to the chorus because it's not quite a chorus. Um, so I feel like the second Billie Eilish album mm-hmm. was, if I remember right, mostly kind of a disappointment because it kind of felt like Alanis Morissette after Jagged Little Pill. It's like Jagged Little Pill was this like amazing like expression of uh, power mm-hmm. and anger and... Uh, and then it was just like trauma, 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 unprocessed trauma. Right. Without necessarily anything to offer, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how Billie Eilish's like second album felt to me. She literally has a song where it's not a song, like a track on her album where she's like, uh, people keep bullying me and objectifying me about my body and it sucks. And it's like, that's... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could this have been like an interview or like, Uh it doesn't necessarily feel like a, like a potent piece of art to me. It feels really weird. And it actually feels weirder that it's like a part of her art. Right. Because the way that like, it's not very artfully said. Right. Yeah. You know? And, and then also in this album, she's like, at multiple points, like, kind of doing some like second wave feminism stuff. She's doing some anti-porn stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing some like anti, uh, she, she refers to like women's bodies as sort of, sort of like plastic and fake and stuff. You oh know? God. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Uh, some very like understandable, reactionary stuff based mm-hmm. on like what she's been through. Right. I would have grace on people in my life. I've had grace on people in my life who've had this kind of, this kind of take, especially if they have the positionality of 
being a woman and having that stuff, you know, thrown at them their entire lives, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it makes sense as a stepping stone place to like on your way to somewhere else mm-hmm. <laughs> to a more nuanced take, you know, um, you know, I can have compassion on that, but it, it's harder, you know, when to watch when it's someone who has this much power and influence, but it's also like, you know, she's so young. She's you know? so young and she's, it, it feels like she's someone that is very plugged into everything that's said about her. And that yeah. has got to be the worst thing imaginable. Yeah. I remember us talking about like, she's kind of like the quintessential, like chronically online pop star, like mm-hmm. the first, right. you know, like Britney didn't get to be online until mm-hmm. it was too late. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Or even like Lady Gaga, you know, mm-hmm. Billie Eilish is the first like Gen Z I am on social media for myself, not my team, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's not good for like normies, you know? No. <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like for, uh, super, superstars. Um, mm-hmm. so how about, like, how about this song? NDA. Yeah. I think that this song is the best moment in the second album in terms of her grappling with, her, uh, her status, what's happened since her first album. Uh, I think it's her at her most effective. She's talking about, I mean, the song's called NDA and that's because there's a moment in the song where she talks about wanting to hook up with someone and in order to hook up with him, she has to make him sign an NDA. That is so bleak. It's really bleak. And I think that's sort of like a powerful little detail. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of this song just continues to just sort of talk about her, uh, her influence and her power and the way that that, uh, overpowers her. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty effective. Yeah. Shit. There's some stuff in the outro. Did I take it too far? Now I know what you are. You hit me so hard. I saw stars. I think I took it too far when I sold you my heart. How to get so dark. I saw stars, stars. And then in the first verse, did you think I'd show up in a limousine? No, I had to save my money for security. Got a stalker walking up and down the street. Says he's Satan and he'd like to meet. I bought a secret house when I was 17. Haven't had a party since I got the keys. What? And I know that that's like, you know, something that all famous people, but like have to deal with on some level, I think. But particularly very young women is like... So, so awful. God damn. I'm looking at Billie Eilish's net worth. I'm just sort I don't necessarily know how accurate these things are mm-hmm. or how they're... Celebritynetworth.com? Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing 30 million. That's of a year ago. 53 million, maybe. More recently. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it is interesting, like... I feel like there is this level of fame, especially for like young women where it's like, it would be pretty, it would take a lot of resources in order to like, it's really hard. It's it's hard to have thorough security. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I would imagine that there would be like a pretty significant gap between a certain level of like fame and like a certain amount of resources that you would need to have in order to be able to handle 
Exactly. The way that uh, people are scary. Yes. And even if you did, like that, that's got to be so alienating and like really cut you off from the world, you know? Like having a secret house and not having parties there because that's not safe to do. Yeah. Which makes me feel complicated things about like Billie Eilish as a minor. Her older brother is writing songs with her to specifically do some very Britney Spears-esque stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, she's a minor, and she's, like, singing songs. Is she of, still a minor? No, she, like, when, in her first album, she's a minor. Yeah. And she's singing songs about, like, fucking dads. Mm-hmm. Uh, might seduce your dad. Like, I'm going to get on my knees. Oh, like, yeah. very mm-hmm. sexually explicit, like, uh, concerning, problematic stuff. And that's, like, the brand. You know? Which is, like... Well, I don't know how important this is, but I think she was 18 when her first album was released. Is that true? Oh, she was not quite 18. I think, yeah. I think she was 17. I remember her... She was like, oh, yeah, it was March of 2019, and she didn't turn 18 until December. Okay. Yeah, yeah shit. Not that, like, you know, the number makes of a logical cutoff or anything of like course. that. Of course. But still, yeah. like... Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I feel really complicated about that. Uh, I don't know what to make of all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially given that it's probably, like... Not literally true, like something she is, of course, she wants to do or is going to do or has done. That it's like almost this posturing thing, yeah. Still, it's just, yeah, I don't know, yeah. And like, like, I don't think Phineas is like suffering from, I don't think, I mean, maybe he has stalkers, I don't know. Oh my god, I forgot that her second middle name is Pirate. That's cute. Billy that's, Eilish Pirate Baird. Okay, that's some like trans girl shit. It really is. It fucking is. That's some she they it really bullshit. Yeah. That's like my friend Lilith. Like, yeah. <laughs> which fucking rock on? Yes, please do that. Okay, Maddie. Yes, that's me. We have six more to go. Six are we more. gonna do it, or are we gonna do it next time? Let's fucking power through. Okay, power, power, power through. Necessarily in the arse is what she said. That's right. That's right. She used a very good phrase. Not necessarily. Oh my god. Uh, Grace Jones. Um, what an interesting season. What an interesting person. Yeah. She's on the new Janelle Monet album. That's right. She does a little bit of spoken word. Yeah. A French. very little bit. Very yeah, little bit very in little French. Bit. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's mostly just pretty inconsequential if I remember right it's like oh yeah the two of you are like it's basically what she's if I remember I don't know um driving down those city streets waiting to get down want to ditch your big machine somewhere in this town 
Now in the parking lot garage. That's a bit <laughs> I found the proper place. Just follow all the written rules. You'll fit into the space. Pull up to my bumper baby in your long black limousine. What could that be? <laughs> a metaphor for, do you think? Pull up to the bumper baby and drive it in between. <laughs> Pull up to it. Don't drive through it. Back it up twice. I don't know what that means. Nice. <laughs> don't. Literally impale me with your dick, I guess. Unless. Unless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. No notes. <laughs> Good. Yeah. 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 It's just a great song about butt fucking. <laughs> not necessarily. Not necessarily, but. <laughs> but not not. But sometimes. not not yeah. about butt fucking, yes. Uh, yeah. Grace Jones. Uh, Okay. I don't necessarily know if I have anything else to say about that. It was interesting to see the way that people were, that her, like, producers were trying to mythologize her. Right. Yeah. And use her image. Mm-hmm. And, like, that and her weird... her androgyny and... The weird relationship you have with that, she had with that French artist. Yeah. That was, like, same kind of exploitative and potentially, like, super racist. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, then uh, season 23, we had our listener suggestions. I didn't prepare anything, but you prepared this. One card song. Sorry. Ninja Turtles film. Really? Yeah. I've heard good things about it. Ah! Uh, it was entertaining, mm-hmm. but it's weird. I don't think it's as good as people are making it out to be. Okay, gotcha. But Ice Cube was entertaining. But That's cool. Yeah. Saw the melted to these days. No. This day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's really stupid. <laughs> but it made you laugh, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fucking called Children of the Corn. Come on. Sure. It's, I saw that movie when I was in high school, Children of the Corn from the 70s. I, I love that your, <laughs> your alternate spelling is just the corn food of the corn. That's, that's yes. a good bit. That's an intention. Um, so next is do. The Chicks. All right. I support women's rights and women's wrongs. <laughs> I mean, it's basically the song version, but I mean, but it's also like, I don't know. There's... It was controversial when it was released, sure. of course. Um, um, after this woman, Wanda, marries Earl, well, it wasn't two weeks after she got married that Wanda started getting abused. She put on dark glasses and long sleeve blouses and makeup to cover a, bru- a bruise. 
Well, she finally got the nerve to file for divorce. She let the law take it from there, but Earl walked right through that restraining order and put her in intensive care. Right away, Mary Ann flew in from Atlanta on a red-eye midnight flight. She held Wanda's hand, and they worked out a plan, and it didn't take him long to decide that Earl had to die. Yeah. Um, no notes. <laughs> Go for it. Please. Yeah. I mean, the, I, this, is a, this is real. Yeah. You I know? mean, this uh, is why poison is the woman's weapon. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh... There is an aspect of the song that is sort of bizarre and maybe serving as a, a, an ungenerous reading of this would be serving as a carnivalesque. Right. You know, like being an outlet uh, mm-hmm. for sort of the ultimate form of heteropessimism, which right. is just like men are ultimately violent, right. you know, and uh, yeah, and like a like a confirmation bias and a sort of like soothing sort of song. Yeah. You know? And to sort of make it into a joke so that people don't push for things like systemic change so that people can't just walk right through a straining artist and put someone in intensive care and not face consequences like the whole thing. Yeah. But at the same time, I do like appreciate like this kind of posturing. Like, I think there's a reason people got mad, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, I think that there should be a terroristic sort of, like, response to, like, this kind of violence and a, like, we will engage in dehumanization and, like, we will gleefully, like, threaten to kill you Mm -hmm. if you treat us this way. Like, I think there's something legitimate there and something powerful there. Yeah. Um, You know, that maybe isn't solving for pattern, but is, like effective in a moment, you mm-hmm. know, and same thing with like fried green tomatoes. Did you ever watch fried green tomatoes? I have not tomatoes? seen it. No. We should watch that sometime. I've had fried green tomatoes. I haven't seen delicious. it in a long time. Uh, but, uh, there's a similar, actually, I, I kind of suspect that this song came out after fried green tomatoes. Really? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the chicks mm-hmm. also their whole like anti Bush stuff. As we're recording this, it's, uh, we're recording this after the Hamas attacks mm-hmm. and the subsequent doubling down of Israel's occupation, mm-hmm. uh, and specifically they're like, you have to evacuate and then like... Bombing all the exits? Yeah, bombing all the exits, you know, and like... Laying siege to a yeah. tiny region that has two million people in it. Yeah, I, I saw a, a TikTok creator like comparing it to be like, like, what if the United States military was attacking Detroit? Mm-hmm. You know, with all its force. Right. You know, would we be calling this like a symmetrical like? You know? mm-hmm. And you know, I'm in such an echo chamber, and I forget like what the sort of status quo like take is. Mm-hmm. And I was watching. Um, I was watching a little video of Pete Davidson giving a monologue oh, no. to SNL because he was hosting oh, no. SNL. Oh no. And he's, he, he talked about, uh, Israel and Hamas and he, and he's, his thing that he had to offer to the discourse was that he was a kid who saw like in New York, who 
whose dad, you know, died in 9-11. 9-11, yeah. You know? And, which is relevant. Right. You know? Yeah. He did experience that. He experienced an, a terrorist attack in one of the most intimate ways possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he stopped. That's where he fucking stopped. And that's where he stopped, you know? He didn't get asymmetrical. Yeah. Way out of, like, the way we, like, you know, killed millions of innocent civilians and destroyed two whole countries and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, that's the end. so telling. Yeah. And, like, that's, you know, end of the actors and writers strike, like, SNL's back on. This is the first... SNL's back, baby. Yeah. Back with their incisive commentary. (laughs) Yeah, this is their first... Speaking truth to power. ...discourse, you know, that they have to offer, you know, is like that, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, uh, that is the neoliberal response, you know, and... Okay. You haven't seen Cabaret yet, have you? I still haven't seen Cabaret. I would love to watch Cabaret with you. There's, um... I feel like the, the Cabaret, the titular Cabaret in the movie is... Um, just like SNL in the ways that it's like commenting on issues because... But keeping it funky. But keeping it funky. <laughs> and it's like a tiny bit of a spoiler, but like in the beginning, they throw the Nazis out. There's like a scene where there's like one guy who walks in with a Nazi uniform and they're like, get the fuck out. And they throw him out like roughly, um, physically. And then the like manager of the club gets the shit beat out of him by like multiple Nazis. They jump him in an alleyway. Um... And by the end of the movie, they're singing this song on the stage. There's like this person in a gorilla costume wearing like a pink tutu. And the MC is like singing a song like, yeah, well, you know, we go out there and everyone's always judging us. And, um, you know, if you could see her through my eyes, you know, you, you, would, you would see how beautiful she is to me. And by the end of the, the punchline of the song is like, if you could see her through my eyes, she wouldn't seem Jewish at all. Whoa. And to me, that is fucking SNL of yeah. like refusing to like use your platform to do anything good, subvert anything, just like sort of try to gauge the temperature and go along with it in the most, to your mind, inoffensive way. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, sorry, that was a whole tangent about that. But it's, oh God, it's such a fucking amazing movie. Well, I would love to see that. To bring back to the chicks. Oh yeah, that's right. We were talking about the chicks. Like, it was, at the end of the day, you know, still just like performative Mm -hmm. to speak out against Bush. Right. You know? However, it cost them so severely. It was a very brave thing to do at the time because no one was saying it. He was, like, the most popular fucking post-war president. Like, I mean, since World War II, that is. Like, Jesus. He was so popular. Yeah, I I think that, like, you know, as, like, milquetoast as, like, the chicks, you know, like, politics are, they were right. Mm -hmm. And they were some of the loudest people who were right at the time. Mm -hmm. And they fucking got canceled because of it. You know, yeah. uh, the real cancel culture, the actual cancel culture. Turns out it was always on the side of the people with power and it wasn't here to just make white men feel bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like I, I, as much as like 
the chicks have bothered me, <laughs> like especially yeah. in their last album, Gaslighter, mm-hmm. which is to me feels so cynical and so I'm with her and like, yeah, um, complicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can never like I feel like I can never like really hate them because mm-hmm. like I've seen what they are willing to do, right? You know, yeah, and I think it's really powerful that like, you know, when you see like people like Taylor Swift who are like making all of these super calculated decisions about when they are going to make certain stances. Oh my God. I was literally just reading that about the band Radiohead. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. How they like ignored like the, um, the be like the boycott divest movement with Israel and went and played in Israel. Yeah. And Tom York had some fucked up statement where it was like, Art is about crossing borders, you know, not, and, and like speaking your mind and all coming together. And I was just like, you motherfucker. Yeah. It's bad enough that Johnny Greenwood is transphobic, right. but. Oh, is he transphobic? Oh, no. He has a habit of, quote unquote, accidentally liking extremely fucked up transphobic tweets. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm really disappointed to hear that. I yeah. really like his music. He has very good music. Yeah. I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah. Ugh, I'm upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well. Did you have a, was this, did you have the same song that you wanted to talk about for the chat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is a little bit of counter programming. You're just like, let's breeze through it. I'm just like, I just want to like talk about uh, <laughs> the chicks. This song fucking has like everything that I love about the Dixie Chicks. One, like incredible instrumentals. Mm-hmm. They're so great. And mm-hmm. like to have a band this popular that is that good at playing instruments mm-hmm. is like so rare. Like even in yeah. this era, you yeah, know, like totally. I feel like there's a brief moment in time, you know, of like hair metal mm-hmm. where there's just like these like virtuosic solos, mm-hmm. you know, and then it was just like over. Right, yeah. Uh, and it's just, like, really lovely to, you know, get to hear, like, instrumentalists, like, be spotlighted. Right, yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. those are voices and those are, like, powerful, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, also, this song is so fun. It's about breaking up with someone after a long time and entering a hoe face. <laughs> oh, dear. What did yeah. you write a song about? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder if anyone would relate to that. 
So, and I think that's so fun and so nice. It's so good. And it's so positive too. It, there's like no hint of like, you know, oh God, I'm so sad. Like there's, there's no like judgment towards his character. It's just like, fuck yes, we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Like, fuck yes. Damn. Love it. So that's the chicks at its worst or at its best. Them at its worst is uh, Gaslighter. We ended on a real dark note on that mm, season. Yeah. Uh, especially with this one song where they're like manipulating their kids to hate their biological dads. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, final thing about the chicks. I have decided that the preferred porn nomenclature for me is <laughs> chicks with dicks. Because it's the only one that's not trans, like openly transphobic. Like, Interesting. Trap, trap is like, you know, super transphobic. Yeah, sure. You know, training obviously is slur. Yeah. There's others. But I'm like, chicks with dicks, like, I can get behind that. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. That's just a description. That's it's just, just a, a neutral description. description. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so on board. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. the chicks with, with or without dicks. Yeah. <laughs> uh,. I have something to tell you uh, off record. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. We're almost done. We're almost done. We just got a couple more. Here's Nirvana. So this is, boy, this, this is a hell of a song. Um, I don't remember what, which is. It's milk called Milk It from In Utero. And um, I don't know how much I actually want to talk about this song. There's, it's just like such a culmination of the imagery of this album, the like body horror of this person and the lyrics they're writing. I am my own parasite. I don't need a host to live. We feed off of each other. We can share endorphins. Right, yeah. And, Mm. like, to me, it's just, it feels like such an anthem of dysphoria. And, of course, in the chorus, they talk about suicide. And, um, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a really powerful song and gets more powerful reading it through the lens of, like, this is someone who seems to have felt incredibly uncomfortable in their own skin and on a deep, like profound body horror level. Um, yeah. So I took a sound sample of this and I was like, I should probably talk about a different one. But then I took the sound, same sound sample from the, as the song that you did. Oh yeah. Yeah. She should have she was born. She should The reason that you wanted to talk about Nirvana Mm -hmm. is you wanted to come out on the show and you wanted to talk about uh, this theory that Kurt Cobain 
is a trans woman, mm-hmm. was a trans woman. Um, and I remember at the beginning of, of the series being like, I'm totally down with the, like, uh, what was the term, uh, that you used to be like, well, like cis, cis until proven oh, trans, um, you know? The, uh- Null hypothesis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The null hypothesis. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause that's, that's usually the, the response that people have to that kind of thing. You right. know, I, I remember even, um, our, uh, our poetry professor one time telling me, uh, at our alma mater who, and he was one of the best professors at our alma mater. He once mm-hmm. told me like, you know, I'm sometimes kind of irritated at like queer theorists and historians because it feels like they just want to make everything queer you know <laughs> like they just want to claim everything and it's like you know uh and to some extent i kind of agree when it comes to like you know like gaylers it's like oh you yeah. don't need taylor swift to be legitimate you know exactly yeah. you know um or even like people who are like reading you know like certain parts of the bible and they're like this is gay and it's like mm-hmm. Maybe, but you don't need it to be gay in order for it to be okay that you're gay. You yes, know? exactly. Yeah. You know, but also I think that stance is is like troubling because it's like assuming that people are it's so straight or cis. Yeah, and and that it is an exception to have something outside of those normative experiences. Um, so when I say that this song is sort of like a nail in the coffin, in that I was like. I'm down with the rhetorical exercise mm-hmm. in the first place on principle. And there wasn't that much to talk about from bleach. If I remember. Right. right. And yeah, I was like, bleach. I'm down on principle. Yeah. But then when we heard Ben Asana, I was just like, Oh, yes, <laughs> this is like, this is a, this is so telling. Like, this, this is, is so, so trans. <laughs> this is so trans, you know, like, uh, yeah, and you made a lot of points in that season about, like, men do not talk like this. Mm. Men don't know what the scum manifests in, you know? <laughs> like, kids, you know, like... Especially uh, men in their early 90s, yeah. like... <laughs> and I think what was really special to me, like, about this season is watching someone really messily process dysphoria in a really complicated way... Because a lot of um, K's uh, dysphoria kind of happens through the pretense of discourse about misogyny. Right, yeah. And I can really relate to that Mm -hmm. because it is really hard to separate gender dysphoria from the... toxic gender stuff in general, (laughs) you know? And it's like, how do you, you have to get through all of this like discourse stuff to actually start to talk about what am I, what do I want to be? What do I need? You know? And unfortunately for, uh, for Cobain, like it's, you know, I don't think they were able to get through that. I hate men. Right. You know, um, and like, I mean, let's be real. They were very directly prevented from being able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, like in the nineties, 
Like it, it wasn't, it's not amazing now, but at least in a lot of places there's like informed consent and there's like greater visibility and stuff. And in the nineties, all you had was like pop culture depictions of trans people as being like deceptive murderers. Yeah. Um, and this is all like trans women. Um, cause there was no depiction of like trans mask people or non-binary people at least in like the you know mainstream culture. Um, and there are awful laws in place from like the Harry, not laws, but like guidelines in place for like medical providers where you, they would make you do things like, um, the Harry Benjamin rules, like you would have to present as your desired gender, it, you know, quote unquote, um, for a whole year before you were able to start hormones, which is just like very, like pretty consciously, like a trial by fire, like, how badly do you want this? Sure. Do you want it bad enough to be harassed and beat up for an entire year? Yeah. Um, not to mention things like doctors would not give people hormones if they didn't think that they would become a heterosexual, fuckable woman. Yeah. Like, it was It was literally down to, like, individual doctors thinking, like, is this person attractive enough for me to give them hormones? Yeah. Also, I gotta say, like, that is so telling. The doctors are like, we will only let you be a woman if you are st- straight. Mm-hmm. That's such a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, it gets it gets weirder and darker the more you look into That's it. That's so bizarre. Yeah, you know that they're like straightness is the ultimate thing that we're trying to protect. That we will like. We need you to. It's more important that you pass as straight, like within a transphobic culture mm-hmm. than for your bio, like I would imagine how they would see it, how your bio, that your biological realities, mm-hmm. you know, sort of be that that is straight. Yeah. And they would also just like require people to leave behind their old life entirely. And like basically go to the witness protection program and like start a new life in a new city under yeah. a new name. It's, yeah. I mean, and I mean, it literally like directly killed a lot of people Yeah. and a lot of those murders were called suicides Right. and you know, Cobain's death was called a suicide and you'll never like fully know, but sure. it seems pretty indicative to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, mu- the music of, like of Nirvana was occasionally enjoyable and pleasurable to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly I feel like it was valuable to talk about them because we got to see someone who is in the earliest stages of process mm-hmm. who didn't get to, uh, continue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, sucked. Mm-hmm. I would have, I would love to like have Keiko Bain today having hot takes yeah. Pissing people off. Yes. Oh my God. It would be so good. But also, can you imagine like how much it might have changed culture? Absolutely. If the like most revered like rock star of their time, the voice of a generation yeah. was just like, Hey, by the way, I'm fucking trans. Fuck you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I feel like the closest thing we have to that is the Pachowskis. Yeah. And that's kind of hard to measure. It is, yeah. yeah. It's not quite the same because directors will never be as 
they'll never be as like visible or yeah. as like there's not as much of a parasocial relationship yeah. in that same kind of way. And still, it seems just sort of like incredible that we get to have that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like I can't believe we got away with this. Yeah. <laughs> they <can> have these. <laughs> yes. Exactly. These, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got away with it. Even Bye. just like having two like white Gen X women be like successful directors, like Even that's like crazy. at all, you yeah. know, like much less being trans, you know, it's like holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yes. Village Nirvana. people. Village people. The village people. This is when the side. show just got so trans so fast. Uh. Um. Okay. Where is it? Who can see? Will Edge people. That's their like new wave. That's yeah. That's like their new romantic um, style where they just wanted to look like Boy George or something. <laughs> um, yeah, this is from their album Renaissance, which I think was one where they had a new lead singer and they were like trying to hold. I don't know. The story of this band to me is like one of somewhat cynical attempts to try to use gay cults the gay culture of New York City as a springboard to being just like a popular band. Yeah. And that got them in like this to me is like really interesting. It's like one of their attempts to follow up like YMCA and in the Navy. It's like this is what people want. They want goofy, kitschy, like novelty songs. So we're gonna give them that. They're chasing the trend. This song sounds like Devo so Devo, especially in like the um, verse. And they like put on this whole new like vibe visually, like with their makeup and their outfits. It's very like culture club. Um, so they're like chasing the trends and they're like, do you want this kind of novelty song? Like embracing this particular trend? Like what's it, what's it going to take? What do you guys, what do you guys want from us? And um, yeah, that is, it's, it was like, so kind of wild to see the band just kind of like flounder around like that <laughs> after like you know lightning struck a couple times with you know um YMCA and in the Navy and then that was it basically yeah. that's all they wrote <laughs> well I think one of the loveliest moments in Village People was their album Sex Over the Phone mm, it's a good time I'll hear it funny song because it's like this is four four years later than the song that I took a sound sample of and it's like you guys didn't like that what if we went back to what we were doing back in the 70s <laughs> what if we just did that again do you want that I like this song because Victor's gone mm-hmm. 
And they're, like, fully able to, like, be gay in the way that they were before. Mm-hmm. With their, like, the thinnest layer of plausible, plausible deniability. Like, mm-hmm. Sex Over the Phone has, like, a female sex phone operator. Yes, it does. Who's very clearly just, like... Uh, the beardiest woman. The beardiest woman, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, while the video is just, like, zooming in on, like... Uh, like chiseled male abdomens, you know, while they're like touching themselves, you know, <laughs> it's very clear who the locus of desire is in mm-hmm. that video. Yeah. And, uh, it was just like nice to see village people like fully like, uh, more than ever before, just like we're a bunch of gays mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, they, they were so clearly gay before, you know. It's, yeah, and it's then so mysterious. Victor, what's his face? Is like kept being like, no homo, though, no, no homo, homo, guys. It's like you're talking about fucking Fire Island, yeah, <laughs> you know, and not going in the bushes. Yeah, uh, uh, so bizarre. So interesting to talk about these folks. Um, the reason, uh, so I like this song, or I wanted to talk about this song because. I think that the the sort of respectability politics of consent mm-hmm. um, often get really confusing when you start talking about gay men mm-hmm. and gay culture. Not that it's irrelevant <laughs> in gay culture, mm-hmm. but it's really different when you're in a context where like the subject object relationships are blurred. Right. And like what you know, like this song, just give me what I want. There's this like coercive, like kind of quality to the song, uh, that feels concerning, but then you know the context of it. And it's like, this is still concerning, but it feels different and it hits differently. Yeah. And also just like getting into things like kink communities and like Dom versus Seb and like those kinds of things. Um, which is, a lot more, um, like, mainstream in queer circles than it is for, like, straight folks, it seems like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I felt like this album is when they were able to sort of, like, let loose and, like, kind of engage in, like, being, being gay men mm-hmm. and, like, talking about things in a way that feels specifically gay, mm-hmm. even though they're not saying like, they're not using like gender pronouns, you know, right? like yeah. in a way that's like clear. I remember like, li- yeah, listening to stay with me by Sam Smith and being mm-hmm. like, this doesn't feel like they're talking about a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this was before they came out as, as anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they were like, I am nothing. Before. Yeah. <laughs> then they're like, they came out well, as that's a human. The, that's first. the dream. Yeah, I know. Thank God. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> this is the future that liberals want. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that was a lovely moment in, in that season in Village People. And I think it may have been the last album that we covered because we covered the Christmas album in time for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that was like the last like known Victor one. So mm-hmm. yeah. And that was such an interesting follow up to Nirvana also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Okay. 
Big finish here. Big, big finish. There it is. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry that I won't song born this way from the album the same title i feel like we were talking about this song well before we were talking about lady gaga were we yeah do you mean obliquely or openly like directly i feel like we were talking about immutability politics and stuff like before oh, lady yeah, gaga season absolutely. and using this as an example oh i think you might be right yeah and then we got to the song and we're like wait a second huh there's a there's a woman Chopper, <laughs> like on the, <laughs> the woman cycle. Yeah, <laughs> maybe this isn't quite as like um, neoliberal as I thought. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes, as Susan Stryker might put it, a Harley straggling leather deck from hell. <laughs> I wanted to get that on a T-shirt, but Zazzle refused to print it because it had the word Harley on it, yeah. which is wild. Anyway, yeah, I mean. Fair. <laughs> Intellectual property needs to die, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, but it's like, it's not even... Anyway. It could be like someone's last... It could be someone's last or first for name. For sure, yeah. I could be yeah. straddling someone named Harley, for all they know. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I will. <laughs> You're still young. <laughs> you never know who you might meet on Grindr. <laughs> um, anyhow... Um, my mom told me when I was young, we are all born superstars. She rolled my hair and put my lipstick on in the glass of her boudoir. There's nothing wrong with loving who you are, she said, because he made you perfect, babe. So hold your head up, girl, and you'll go far. Listen to me when I say, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. I didn't know before we were getting to the song that it was going to be so religious. Uh-huh. Which I feel, like, mm-hmm. weird about. I mean, it's it's very pointed, obviously, in the way that it, like, is meant to be targeted at, um, like, conservatives or religious sure. people who are attacking people existing as who they are for yeah. supposedly religious reasons. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just... I love how much of a fuck you there is going on. Like, just... The celebratory, like, setting aside the religion stuff, just the celebratory chorus and the loud, like, dance pop, like, you know, it's, it's like candy for the gays. And the, the cover of the single, she's wearing, like, very drag-inspired makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is... The other reason I chose this song is because this was the same... The year that this came out was the year in which she had the interview in which Anderson Cooper, I believe it was, was like... Hey, haha, isn't this funny? There's all these rumors going around that you have a dick. And, you know, haha, isn't this funny? And she's like, just totally stone faced, like deadpan. So, what if I did? Just like absolute fucking queen shit in 2011. Yeah, it's really remarkable. 
I feel like I had a really shitty attitude about Lady Gaga before this season, and then when I actually started learning about the stuff she was saying mm-hmm. back then, mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit. Like, she really did... Well, she... It's not that she didn't care. She did care about the right stuff. And that's so special. I can't imagine, like, almost any cis woman celebrity having that kind of interaction today. No. In fact, like, fucking Aubrey Plaza has this, like, interview she gave a while back where she was like, you should spread weird rumors about me, like, something weird, like, I have a dick. Like, in the past couple years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not super surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've never. She's, really oh, liked she's her. so edgy. Uh, That's never gonna. Never yeah. really liked her. Yeah. Ever. Damn. Um, yeah, it's like the 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 transphobia pointed at cis women. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like long been like a weapon, mm-hmm. and like especially racial uh, a, a racialized like weapon. Like, yeah. You know, like against like. You know, like Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. for instance. Totally. Um, but like they're making like cis black women athletes right. take HRT, right? Because you know the the standards that they set up are so white supremacist that yeah. it you know excludes a lot of women of color because supposedly their testosterone is too high. Supposedly, yeah, 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 and you know, obviously that's awful, but a lot of people kind of stop at it is awful to accuse someone of being trans. Yes. You know? Exactly. As opposed to it is awful to say that that is an accusation. Yeah. And that is something to accuse someone of. You know, and Michelle Obama isn't out here saying, like, I'm not trans, however, um, I stand in support of, you know, trans people, you mm-hmm. know? No, she's standing in support of, like, Obama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Supporting all sorts of things. Yeah. Like, Israel right now. Yes. You know? Yeah. What a cool guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Again, it's all, like, it is all words and it's performance, but it's, mm-hmm. like, you know, so is, like, perform at a certain point when you are powerful enough... Performance has material consequences. Absolutely. Just look at yeah. J.K. Rowling. Oh my fucking She's God. just making tweets. I would tweets. prefer not to. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, if she, she's obviously having like a huge material effect, you know, mm-hmm. on policy and stuff. And it's like. They're literally like quoting her yeah. when they're crafting anti-trans bills. Yeah. Same with the New York Times. And it, it makes me want to like, be like, no, it does matter. When people like Lady Gaga are like talking to, I, I think at the time closeted Anderson Cooper, you know, and and being like, uh, more ahead of the times than he is, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, cool, yeah, Lady Gaga, fucking queen. I will say there is a bit of a um, like she does in the chorus specific, like near the end of the song, say. Like, she's not an LGB alliance person. She says, no matter gay, straight, or bi, lesbian, transgender life, I'm on the right track, baby. I was born to survive. She does then start getting into some pretty, like, maybe don't say it or say it this way, Lady Gaga, 
when she says, no matter black, white, or beige, chola, or orient made, I'm yeah, on the right well. track, baby. I was born to be brave. We yeah. don't necessarily have to use some of that language, Lady Gaga. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think that uh, that language is outdated. Mm-hmm. And definitely was when she was making the song. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not just now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's fine. We don't need Lady Gaga to be perfect. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. This, this is the thing that I keep coming back to. Like, I will, pref- I will prefer... 10 times out of 10, an imperfect ally, a clumsy ally who actually believes the right shit Mm -hmm. over someone who says all the right shit, but, like, when push comes to shove, like, doesn't know, like, what's up. Like Joseph R. Biden, perhaps? Joseph R. Biden, perhaps? (laughs) Yeah. We have your back against this hatred, but we're not going to fucking do anything about it. Yeah, absolutely. Family fucking student loans. Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to equate my student loans with the <laughs> stuff that's going on right now. It's all important. You're canceled, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> but you have a song from Lady Gaga also. I do. Okay. Yes. Here we go. Yes. This song, I think, captures everything that we love about Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. She can't stop singing about masturbating. Yes. Love <laughs> that. Go off every, green. At least once an album, if at not least, every yes. song. Yes, yes exactly. Uh, she's constantly flicking the bean uh, mm-hmm. in her songs. Uh, we love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is so consistently bisexual mm-hmm. um, in the way that she wants to talk about romance and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and this song is that mm-hmm. this song is about, I heard your boyfriend's out of the ta- out of town. What if we fool around? That's like mm-hmm. what the song is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also like, um, inappropriate and boundary crossing. This song is like about someone saying you were in my sex dreams last night inappropriate to say to someone and I maybe. I think that's great maybe I'm not saying I disapprove I'm saying I like it <laughs> I like yes. I like that she's like inappropriate and she's just like oh my god I had a sex dream right <laughs> you know like like this person is like a problem and like well but we don't know that is the thing it's like all of the stuff that's written on the genius about this song it's very, like, monogamy normative. It's like, what if this is someone who, they have, like, a pre-existing, like, sort of side thing going on? What if there's, like, a poly set up here? I'm saying that it is boundary, even in the context of, like, a poly kind of, like, or any sort of openness, I'm saying that, like, it is so forward and, like, so 
like, there's... there's what if they've a, had sex before, though? Maybe. You know, like... This interlude, though, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I've had a couple drinks and, oh my god. Okay, you're right. That is, like, definitely, like, setting it up as, like, like you know, over the, over the line. Yeah. And I'm not saying I disapprove. I'm saying that, like, I like the chaos of this character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy the chaos of this character mm-hmm. that she's portraying and that she consistently portrays <laughs> yes, throughout exactly. her discography. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't mean that she's a problem as in she is problematic. I mean, like, in, like, one should condemn her. I mean, I enjoy people who are problems. <laughs> like, there's I identify some, as a fucking problem. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, uh, <laughs> there's something uh, really lovely there. And I like that Lady Gaga is a problem. Mm-hmm. I like that she doesn't pacify anyone. It's very anti-respectability politics. Absolutely. She's not being like, this is the way to be queer in a way that will get us accepted. She's like, no, I'm going to like seduce <laughs> this man's boyfriend, this man's girlfriend. You know, like, like yeah. she's a problem. And like, mm-hmm. also musically, this song is so fun. The production of it mm-hmm. is so fun. The like samples of the like, like a rattly electric bass are so cool. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Very, very like bump and grind. The title bass. is it's called Sex Dreams and yes. there's three X's in three the word X's. sex. This so is good. so stupid. <laughs> and it's so fun and so, so silly. Ugh. I also like spelling sex with three X's. <laughs> I'm all about that fucking shit. <laughs> And and she's talking about all of the all of the sex like in her fantasy being dirty, nasty. trashy, nasty. Mm-hmm. Like none, yeah, none of this is is like wholesome. Mm-hmm. None of this is love is love. Mm-hmm. None of this is born this way. This is yeah. all like. I want to do something that's bad <laughs> and like totally owning that and not trying to defend it. Right. Uh, and I really, uh, enjoy that. And I think, uh, yeah, especially like listening to Lady Gaga's discography after Taylor Swift. And she does, she does engage in some neoliberal like stuff at points, mm-hmm. um, that is like irritating to me, but like, yeah, a lot of her like public persona is, um, not engineered to be palatable and she's not very much of an assimilationist (laughs) no and it's fun to watch and i think it's had an effect Mm -hmm. yeah um big ups to lady gaga queen and that's yeah i mean here we are two and a half hours later long excellent (laughs) we did it (laughs) we did it we got to the end of retrospecting all of our artists. Yeah. And it's been a it's been a wild six years. We started more than six years ago. Yeah. The first episode was released September twenty seventh, twenty seventeen. We've both changed a little bit since then. A little bit. A little bit. And um Enough that I don't really want to go back and listen. <laughs> yeah, <me laughs> even though I like those memories. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. 
we had a lot of learning to do. And we did a lot of it publicly. Yeah, cool, fun. <laughs> but it's okay because, you know, we were, never had all that much of an audience. That's true. Thank you, dear listeners. Thank you for not making us famous. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, thanks for listening along, listeners. Um, it's been fun, and I've enjoyed it. And, um, yeah. Same. Yeah, I remember uh, when you were like, I want to do a podcast with you. Uh, I think it was in 2017. Mm-hmm. And you, like, called me up. I don't think I had talked to you since, like, Theo was born in 2014, in late 2014. Like, you had been regularly, like, we had been doing Thanksgivings together and stuff. And then, like, I had my first kid. And we just, like, didn't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. There was, like, a few years, though. There was, like, a few years where we forgot to talk to yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Uh... You know, in retrospect, for both of our sakes, I wish we had been talking to each other during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this show served its purpose to mm-hmm. get us to like, talk to each other again. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy that uh, we can either put this on hiatus or end it. And we, I feel very confident that we'll be able to continue to speak with each other I and see so. each other regularly. Yes. Yeah. We also do live in the same city now too. It's, yeah, that's a big part of it. That's a good that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. But it's been it's been a real pleasure doing this show with you, Cameron. Same. Thanks, Maddie. Really nice having your perspective and your input and your knowledge and all the things you know about music and uh the warmth and um heart that you brought to the show is, is really amazing and you've taught me a lot in public <laughs> yeah so thanks for doing the yeah, show with I me feel, feel the same way um, yeah I uh, I feel like I've learned a lot um, listening to you think out loud mm. I have done a lot of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inadvisable about thinking out loud <laughs> well I think a lot of your takes are good Mm. and even when they aren't, I think your process is good Mm. (laughs) and that's more important to me at the end of the day. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again, listeners for the last time I've been Maddie Hunt and I seek Amy. (laughs) (laughs) I've been Cameron DeWitt and Okay, I I forgot to like write down the thing. Okay, I'm making a note. This is gonna be a super clean cut. <laughs> What's a single reference that I could make? Um, do I really want to end it on I got that yummy yummy? No, do something no. about mega nuts or nutmeg or something. <laughs> uh, I have a camera do it and nutmeg is my favorite spice. <laughs> the last time we finally learned Stagley was a bad man. Cancel culture has gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> the woke mob is out for Stagley.